In paragraph 286 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says this, The existence of God the Creator can be known with certainty through his works, by the light of human reason, even if this knowledge is often obscured and disfigured by error. In other words, my brothers and sisters, you don't need the Bible to know that God exists. You don't need a special revelation from heaven to know that there is a supreme being out there. All you have to do is look around, look at his creation, look at the world in which we live, look at the universe in all its beauty and splendor. There you'll find plenty of evidence that God is real. As the writer of Psalm 19 said, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the firmament shows forth the work of his hands. Or to put it another way, creation itself points to the existence and to the activity of a creator. And yet you do need a special revelation from heaven to know what the inner life of this Creator God is like. For example, without the insights that we get in the Bible and in sacred tradition, we would never know about the Blessed Trinity. We would never know that there are three divine persons in the one true Creator God. As we're told in paragraph 237 of the Catechism, God has left traces of his Trinitarian being in his work of creation, but his inmost being as Holy Trinity is a mystery that is inaccessible to reason alone, or even to Israel's faith before the incarnation of God's Son and the sending of the Holy Spirit. If you happen to be dialoguing with a Jewish person or a Muslim, or someone with a similar view of God, you might find yourself forced to explain and defend this dogma of the Trinity to them. Because Jews and Muslims do not believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Nor do they believe in the unique divine personhood of the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit. But it's much more likely, much more likely, that you will find yourself forced to defend something else in public these days. The very existence of God himself. In spite of all the evidence in creation that I spoke about a few moments ago, that's because, as many of you are well aware, atheism is rapidly growing in popularity. Sad to say, but in certain segments of our society right now, it's highly fashionable to say that you don't believe in God. Any God. And don't think it's just out there in Hollywood and in other places. This hits close to home. I talk a lot with teenagers. Many teenagers have said to me, Father Ray, you know, there are a number of kids in school today who are proudly saying that they're atheists. It's become the cool thing to say. It's scary. As Catholic Christians, we have to be prepared for this kind of challenge to our faith, the challenge that comes from people who don't believe in God, because it literally, nowadays, could come at any time. Even from people that we know 
who used to be believers. Because sad to say, also, many people today lose their faith. To help you in this regard, let me share with you now my five questions for an atheist. There are lots of other questions you could ask atheists, I'm sure, but these are my personal five. I share them with you today because I think for too long we Christians have been on the defensive when it comes to the existence of God. And we shouldn't be. If anything, we should be on the offensive, challenging atheists, challenging the presuppositions, the unreasonable presuppositions of those who do not believe in God. Many atheists will say that they put their trust not in faith, but in quote-unquote science. As if people who are, who are great scientists also can't be people of great faith. Well, we know that's not true here at St. Pius. Some of our most devout parishioners are doctors and people in the field of science. But the fact of the matter is, atheists have faith just like we do. And that's the first point we should make in dialoguing with them. We simply have faith in different things. We have faith that there is a God. They have faith that there isn't. And then we need to challenge them on the ideas that stand behind their faith, just like they challenge us on the ideas that stand behind our faith. That's one of the purposes of these five questions. So here they are in no particular order. Question number one. If God does not exist, Mr. Atheist, then why should I respect you? Why should I respect anybody? If you are not created in God's image and likeness, if you do not have an immortal soul, if you are no more valuable than a chicken or a mosquito, then why should I be concerned with you and with your well-being? We kill chickens to use them for food. So why shouldn't I use you, manipulate you to achieve whatever goals I want to achieve in this life? We kill mosquitoes because they annoy us. So why is it wrong for me to mistreat you if you annoy me? That's question number one. If God does not exist, then why should I respect you? Question number two. If there is no God, then how do you account for the complexity of the universe? How do you account for the complexity of the human body? Many scientists, you know, say that the odds against the human body evolving from a microscopic organism without some kind of intelligent designer, they tell us those odds are unbelievably high. Nobody can even count to that high of a number. Believe me, you would never want those kinds of odds at the casino or in the lottery. So how did it happen, Mr. Atheist? And don't just say it did. That's a lousy answer, especially from someone who is supposed to be so quote-unquote scientific. Question number three, if there is no God, then why was Hitler wrong? 
If there is no God, my brothers and sisters, morality is totally subjective. There is no ultimate authority for me except me. So, Mr. Atheist, why was Hitler wrong? He was simply acting on the principles of his own personal morality. And who are we to impose our morality on him? You see, the great Russian writer Dostoevsky was right. If God does not exist, everything, everything is permissible, including the grotesque, immoral activity of somebody like Adolf Hitler. Question number four. If there is no God and only matter exists, then why am I able to have images in my brain? In other words, Mr. Atheist, please explain my thoughts to me. I have an image right now in my head of my car. But I dare say if my favorite brain surgeon, Dr. Martin Bedner, sawed open my thick skull this afternoon, he would not find a little Toyota Camry lodged somewhere between my ears. If he did, it would be a miracle. So, Mr. Atheist, where is that car? I know it's there. I can see it. It's there in my mind. But it's definitely not there physically. My point here is that our thoughts are not material. And while that fact alone does not prove God's existence, it does point us to another dimension of reality, namely the spiritual dimension. And once you admit that reality has a spiritual dimension, you admit the possibility, at least, that there might be a God. A God who, as the Bible says, is spirit. Which brings us to question number five, which I think is the most challenging of all. You might want to make it question number one. Mr. Atheist, will you please explain to me how something can come from nothing? Matter exists, Mr. Atheist. This pulpit, it exists. We can all see it. We can all come and touch it if we wish. You exist, Mr. Atheist. I exist. The world around us exists. We can verify that by our own experience, visually, through touch, etc. And all of this constitutes something. As a religious believer, I say that this something came from something else, or really someone else, namely God. But you say that God doesn't exist, okay? then where did this something come from? I have never seen something come from nothing. I've never seen anything come from nothing. Yet, that's what you believe as an atheist about creation. And please don't say that you believe in the Big Bang theory of the creation of the universe. That won't solve the problem for you. The Big Bang says that 12 to 14 billion years ago, the universe as we know it expanded from a tiny speck of matter after a big cosmic explosion. Fine. So please tell me, where did that speck of matter come from?
If that speck was like a bomb, and it was, then who or what made it? And who or what lit the fuse? And who or what designed the blueprint for the explosion? Did it come from nothing? If there is no God, then that's what you must believe. But please, again, how does something come from nothing? Where is your scientific evidence that such a thing could happen? And that such a thing actually did happen? So there they are, my five questions for an atheist. Hopefully you can remember them. If not, if you're dialoguing with an atheist, just go online. They're on my homily blog. You can review and then go into battle. Now, I warn you right away, they probably won't convince him immediately that there is a God who made him in the universe. But what they hopefully will do is get him to start questioning his atheistic faith and the flimsy presuppositions that stand behind that faith. And that just might get him on the road to belief. Belief in the one true God. And eventually, belief in the Blessed Trinity.